You're listening to the NFL on TuneIn. It's No Huddle with Brian Weber and Cordell Stewart. Let's keep the Jimmy Garoppolo conversation going with a great friend of the program. Good to see this individual in Minnesota. It's Tyler Dunn of Bleach Report. Tyler, thanks so much for taking the time. Your reaction to the mega deal the Niners are giving Jimmy Garoppolo, that's a ton of money for somebody with only a handful of starts, albeit a lot of promise in the San Francisco Bay Area. It is, yeah. I mean, it's a ton of money, and I think the natural reaction is to say, you know, what in the heck is San Francisco doing? But I don't know. I loved it. I mean, the guy won, you know, every game that you've seen of him. I mean, he looks every bit a young Tom Brady, that that game-winning drive against Tennessee where he literally talks on the sideline with every single receiver, tells them exactly what's going to happen and exactly how to take each step, and that's exactly what happens on that game-winning drive. I mean, I there's just so much to love with this guy that I figured it would be a blank check kind of a deal for him. And if you're San Francisco, like I just remember being in that locker room a couple of years ago with Chip Kelly looking around and it was so lacking in just general talent. I mean, they didn't have anybody, both sides of the ball. It was pathetic. I mean, to, to make the, the turnover that they've done in such a short amount of time, John Lynch, uh, Kyle Shanahan, you've got to make a decision like this. You've just got to be bold. If you believe in a quarterback, you pay that quarterback, and, and then you build around him. And not having anybody, um, they all of a sudden became somebody when Jimmy Garoppolo actually ended up showing up to where all these guys look like big playmakers on this offense and also on the defensive side of the football. But, Tyler, what, is this, what does this do for, let's just say, someone like a Kirk Cousins? And I don't want to put Kirk Cousins in the same category as a Drew Brees because Drew Brees, I think, is a few steps ahead because he is a future Hall of Famer. But the marketplace for those quarterbacks that are high, at high demand, Drew Brees and a Kirk Cousins, how do you think their numbers look when it comes to guarantee money or even the big picture? Yeah, that's where it gets kind of murky because, I mean, with, with Garoppolo, you know, you're obviously paying a – very young player for what he could be. I mean, you don't really know what, th- what that is, but you're, you're projecting with, with Kirk Cousins. I mean, he's 29 years old. You've seen a lot of Kirk Cousins, and I can't remember a quarterback that, that has really kind of divided folks quite like him that, that's been on the open market. I mean, there's people who love Kirk Cousins. There's got to be a lot of personnel people who think you can win a Super Bowl with Kirk Cousins. I mean, you've seen those moments. I mean, that primetime game against Green Bay a couple years ago. I mean, he looked like the best quarterback in the NFL. He's had those moments. But then you'll see somebody who really hasn't gotten it done when he needed to and, and get that team to the playoffs, win in the playoffs. Um, I don't know. I, I don't think he would get that kind of money unless there's a GM out there with a lot of cap space and, and a lot of belief in him. But uh, he's going to get paid regardless. I, I guess that's kind of the takeaway is, yeah, I mean, there's going to be a lot of quarterbacks getting a lot of money across the board. I don't think the teams are just going to, like, tiptoe around their situations like they might have in the past. I mean, it was kind of surprising to see somebody like a, a Tyrod Taylor generate no interest last year in the spring. I thought the Bills were kind of prepping and preparing for, for somebody to want to throw money at him. Nobody really did, so they brought him back. He didn't really improve. I mean, quarterbacks in that position, maybe, maybe teams are a little bolder this spring. Taking you around the league with our pal Tyler Dunn, the Bleach Report. We're all guessing, but we appreciate your informed speculation. What do you think would be the most logical landing spot for Kirk Cousins now? Whew, man. Um, well, he's kind of running out of options. You know, it, it looked like it could have been Washington for a while, could have been San Francisco for a while. They both had their quarterbacks. I guess the Jets, I mean, that does seem to make a lot of sense. They've, they've got the money to throw at them. I mean, they're... 
they've kind of been living in that quarterback purgatory for a while now. The draft hasn't really worked. You know, Geno Smith, Christian Hackenberg. So unless they feel like they want to go that route again, I don't know. I, I feel like with that team and that coaching staff and that GM, they're going to say, you know, let's just bring in a veteran. Let's just bring in somebody who has done it. Let's stop projecting. Let's stop trying to coach somebody up into, into being somebody and molding that player. Let's bring in somebody who's done it. So that would be my best educated guess. You know, not really based on anything other than logic, but I think the Jets would kind of throw a lot of cash at them. Tyler, when you start seeing quarterbacks grabbing numbers, I like they're getting right now. Whether it's going back to Andrew Luck and his 87 million bucks, which seems like no one's going to get to that number quite yet as far as guaranteed money to Jimmy Garoppolo. Is it fair to say that it's the playing field now that we are part of when it comes to giving out this type of money? I mean, you got what, a 19.9 to a 23.9 for Kirk Cousins, and we have to assume that he may be bumping up to the 27 and a half that we know Jimmy Garoppolo is getting. Is that the world that we're in right now when it comes to the, the purses being open to be able to give a guy that has the key word potential to be really yeah. good in these organizations? Yeah, Cordell. I mean, that's kind of what it is. You know, it's, it, it's crazy that Andy Dalton, I mean, it seems like we were all just talking about that contract and how ridiculous it is that Cincinnati's making him a $100 million man and all that. Well, he is now the lowest-paid starting quarterback in the NFL, not on a rookie deal, which is wild. I mean, that was just a few years ago. We've seen this market just skyrocket these last three, four years, even more so than we could have imagined. So that's just kind of the cost of doing business. And I think if your team trying to – turn yourself into a contender the best situation to be in is exactly what philadelphia was in they had an mvp or front runner on that rookie deal which allowed them to pay up for a really good backup in nick Foles, which allowed them to go out and sign an alshon jeffrey in free agency and make all kinds of trades during the regular season that were you know really bargains when you think about it trading picks for players not a lot of teams do it i think a lot more will do it now they just kind of built their team around the fact that Look, we don't have to pay up for a quarterback quite yet, so we can get creative elsewhere. That's probably the best spot to be in for a team. And maybe that's why some teams are a little reluctant, like the Redskins were, to pay up for Kirk Cousins, because then you kind of pull yourself out of that. But it's still a quarterback's league, and you're not going to win if you don't have that quarterback. So you're kind of in that catch-22. Tyler Dunn, Bleach Report is our guest on the NFL on TuneIn. Tyler, what was your analysis of Josh McDaniels changing his mind, backing out of accepting, in principle, the Colts' head coaching job? At a minimum, it seemed grossly unprofessional. Oh, absolutely. I mean, yeah, that's that's about as, as bad as it gets. And I don't know any team outside of New England that would hire Josh McDaniels after doing something like that. And I'm, I'm sure they're not going to come out and announce the intentions in front of a microphone, but... It has to mean that. I mean, he's the heir apparent to Bill Belichick, and it has to mean that maybe it's a little sooner than we all thought. I mean, I really thought that Belichick and Brady both, that we'd all have to kind of pry him off the field. But, you know, maybe they have some type of agreement in place that he's going to be the guy there whenever Belichick walks away, and maybe it's a little sooner than we all thought. You mentioned Josh McDaniels, and, and of course, I like to relate his name to the game and and think about how both these quarterbacks played in it. I mean, both defenses gave up a tremendous amount, uh, something we hadn't seen from either, for the most part, for the most part throughout the year, especially Philadelphia. But Nick Foles, I mean, give me your take on what's going to happen 
uh, there in, in Philadelphia when it comes to dealing with Carson Wentz, who they move a few spots to end up getting him as a second pick overall and a second quarterback, to all of a sudden now Nick Foles, he ends up becoming the MVP of the Super Bowl, the first quarterback to ever take their team to a Super Bowl in the organization's history. And here it is. There's conversation about what do you do with the value that he has when having him going somewhere else? Or now he's just going to sit behind Carson Wentz. <laughs> you know what? I, you like how I said that, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah it's, it's got value. I mean, my gosh, you could flip him for a high pick. You could flip him for – Gosh, whatever you would need on defense. I mean, he's the most valuable backup quarterback we've seen in quite some time. But at the same time, like, how do you let him go? I think it'd be crazy to do anything with Nick Foles after seeing how this season played out. And Carson Wentz, I know his recovery seems to be going really well, but that's still a torn ACL late in the season. Um, Nick Nick Foles would allow you to to bring him back slowly. Maybe you throw him on the pup list. Maybe Nick Foles starts the first six games. Maybe he goes 6-0 in those first six games. Maybe this becomes... Nick Foles' team in 2018. I mean, as well as Carson Wentz played, I mean, he was the MVP frontrunner. I don't know how you just trade somebody who caught fire like Nick Foles did. I mean, that was unbelievable what we saw. And, you know, who knows if it was just a a flash in the pan, three games of RPO stuff, just catching everybody off guard. But he is perfect for that offense. He knows how to use the weapons around him. Um, They figured it out. I don't know how you just kind of let something like that get away after what you just saw. Chatting with Tyler Dunn of Bleach Report. Tyler, as we start on the path of the draft and you have conversations with folks in the know, how polarizing is Wyoming quarterback Josh Allen? His backers say, look at his size, look at the arm. The critics point out he had less than a 60% completion percentage playing at Wyoming. Yeah, man, it's it's all over the place. I'm just starting to kind of get into that myself now and, you know, the combine will, will really kind of glean a lot of information there. But so far, it's exactly what you said. There's a lot of people who love the size, and obviously the same person who kind of unearthed Carson Wentz is who recruited Josh Allen to Wyoming. So, I mean, there could be some similarities there. I'm sure they ran a lot of the same stuff in college and had to read a defense and go through progressions and, and make some plays on the run. But, I mean, like you guys, I, I sat down and, and tried to watch him a couple times this past fall, that Oregon game in particular. And it was ugly. And, and I get it. He's surrounded by one and two star guys. And against a powerhouse team like Oregon, or you know, I guess they're not even a powerhouse team, a power conference team, I should say. It's tough. But he didn't show anything at all. Um, it's it, it, that's <laughs> that's why these GMs, you know, that's what they get paid for. I mean, somebody's going to take a swing on him. Somebody's going to take that chance. And maybe he is Carson Wentz. Maybe he is, you know, an NFL style quarterback that really you don't see in a Lamar Jackson or a Baker Mayfield and somebody who ran a different offense. But right now, I mean, you could just as well say that he's a Paxton Lynch. He's a total projection that isn't going to pan out in the NFL. So, man, I have no strong opinion whatsoever on him. I know there's a ton of potential, and then some teams see that, somebody's going to pull the trigger. Tyler, I know we all, you know, now that I've become a pundit now, I, I can honestly say I've, I've done this for a few years with Brian and, and a few other shows I've done before, but is it okay to say we really, the blueprint that we used to think was the blueprint when it came to the quarterback position, when it came to the receiver position, when it came to coaching, we thought we had it. Is it okay, you know, from a transparency standpoint to say that you really don't know how to gauge it other than 
looking at the draft board for each team and saying, okay, what's the most important piece at this spot? What's the most important piece in this second round for these different individual teams and just hope you can pick the right guy? Because look at Drew Brees, six feet tall. Mm -hmm. Here comes Baker Mayfield. Six feet, Carson Wentz. He takes a team to an, to an NFC championship game. All of a sudden, Nick Foles. I mean, and also going back to, to Baker Mayfield, he wasn't even a, a, a scholarship kid coming out of Texas Tech as well as Oklahoma. He wins a Heisman Trophy. He has this brash personality. Do you, do we, Carson Wentz, come out of North Dakota State. I can keep going. I'm going to stop right there. But how do you really gauge what's a, a good way to determine who gets the opportunity to go in these places? Boy, because it, you know, the first team that comes to mind when you're kind of breaking that all down is the, the Cleveland Browns. And, you know, they come in with Sasha Brown and, and want to bring analytics to the game, and they acquire right. 16, 17 draft picks a year. And it seems like they have all this ammo and they're going to build a team the right way. Well, at the end of the day, I mean, you can rely on the numbers all you want, but you can't, you can't pass on the quarterbacks they did. I mean, you can't trade out of the Carson Wentz pick. You can't pass on Deshaun Watson twice. I mean, we could spend a half hour on all the whiffs they've made at quarterback. You get, you, get, you get the draft talent. You, you can't take Cody Kessler ahead of Dak Prescott. So I, I guess it just, uh, yeah, I think that a lot of teams do have strict measurements and requirements for certain positions. You know, for a while it was, you know, corner cornerbacks after Richard Sherman and the Legion of Boom kind of took off. I think a lot of teams looked for that 6-1 um, physical cornerback. You know, I, I'm sure there's still a demand for that, but every team kind of varies. It just comes down to a gut instinct at the same time. I mean, if you're a GM, you just have to have the conviction that you believe in somebody and you believe that that quarterback, for example, can be the face of your team. And, you know, a lot of times it works out. A lot of times it doesn't. I know here in Buffalo, there were people in the building who really liked Patrick Mahomes, for example, and saw him as the, the future face of this Bills team, and there was a lot of belief in him. Well, they ended up taking Tredavious White. Maybe he was the best defensive rookie in the NFL. He has a great career, and it works out. Same time, I mean, you could have taken Mahomes. Maybe he turns out to be the face of your team. It's just there's opinions all across the board in these draft rooms. I think it's so important just to have that one voice, that one final decision maker, that one person in charge who will make that pick with conviction. And as simple as that sounds, I think that in a lot of, in a lot of draft rooms, there's just opinions all over the place, and they, they don't exactly have that, that structure, and they kind of live in oblivion. Last one for me. You referenced Buffalo. We were talking about the notion of cold-weather Super Bowls yesterday, and the consensus from this program was, while it was chilly, this just in, it's cold in Minnesota in February, the hospitality was outstanding. If Buffalo can ever solve their stadium conundrum and finally get a new stadium, could you envision Buffalo hosting a Super Bowl at some point in our lifetime? Absolutely, man. I do. And that's a little Western New York hospitality bias there. I, I think that they uh, would do a heck of a job hosting. I mean, downtown has completely been revitalized. Um, they've got a lot, a lot more new hotels. I think they want to put the stadium downtown eventually. I, I, I do think that they could host a Super Bowl and, and do a good job at it. But you're right. First things first, they've got to figure out and announce what they're going to do with the stadium. Right now, they're kind of working on a lease in Orchard Park still, but eventually, why not? That's kind of the reward the NFL gives you, right? Hey, you build a new stadium. If we like it enough, bam, you get a Super Bowl. Well, the good news is we have many years to thaw out after our excursion into Minnesota before we deal with the elements in <laughs> Buffalo. Tyler, always good to see you and great to see you in person in Minnesota. Thanks for joining us again today on the NFL on TuneIn. Hey, great seeing you guys. Thanks so much. 
You've been listening to No Huddle with Brian Weber and former Steelers quarterback Cordell Slash Stewart live on the NFL on TuneIn. 20, 15, 10, 5, touchdown. The National Football League is on. Tune in.